Hi, insiders. Our favorite healthcare companion is back in the new Disney Plus series, Baymax. We're returning to San Francisco, where our inflatable hero, Baymax, sets out to do what he's programmed for, help others. I'm so excited to see our beloved Baymax back in action. Well, this time he's on a new kind of hero's mission, this show proves that his hilarious robotic tendencies are here to stay. And I wouldn't have it any other way. We're thrilled to have producer Roy Conley and the voice of Baymax, Scott Adsit, here to tell us more. Let's start by welcoming Roy to the podcast. Hi, Roy. Welcome to the show. It's great to be here. How are you? I'm so good, and I'm so thrilled to be talking to you today. Mm-hmm. You have worked on some iconic Disney films over the years, and I'd like to go back in time with you. Which Disney mm-hmm. films were iconic to your life growing up? Oh, wow. Uh, that's easy. Pinocchio. I saw Pinocchio on a re-release. This is before there was cable, before there was uh, any <laughs> streaming services or anything. And I saw a re-release of Pinocchio and it influenced my life tremendously. Mm, that's so cool. I love that it's just so clear in your mind. You knew exactly what it was that started to get you on the track. Do you think it had also inspired you to get into filmmaking specifically? You know, it's interesting. Before I got into filmmaking, I was in theater. I've always been drawn to great storytelling. And I was very lucky to be working on some really wonderful theater pieces before I was kind of discovered by Disney. We had a very lucky situation where I was producing something and some execs from Disney saw it and invited me to come over and interview. And, you know, that's 29 years ago. Okay, that's amazing. Also, pre-congratulations on almost 30 years at Walt Disney Animation. 1993, you joined Walt Disney Animation. Present day, obviously now you're a legend. You know, you have the experience. But can you take us back to those early days and any standout memories that you had? Because you were the new guy at the time, right? Like, what was that like? I mean, it was so interesting coming from theater, which was a much smaller endeavor in terms of, you know, the amount of people that work on a show. And when you're doing an animated film, I've got 450 people working on a film you know in theater you may have 40 people so it was all about scaling up that was the first thing I was going to say was scale in and of itself but I think also too like it's a totally different medium I know that in some of your work you've worked in live action but the beginning there you're talking about theater like it's actors live performers now this is an animated format how would you describe that transition it's not that different in a weird way because it's all about the storytelling it's all about design The one thing that I had to learn was about animation. And when I first went to work, I would spend eight hours a day in terms of developing story and developing design and whatnot. And then I would spend eight hours at night reading every book I could about animation and seeing every videotape I could see. Back then, it was like little cassette videos that you popped in. It was a treat. And what I love so much about animation is that it changes all the time. How I made a film in 1993 is totally different than how I make a film in 2022. Well, some of those films, though, from that time, your early years at Walt Disney Animation are very meaningful to me as a Disney fan. And I know many other Disney fans, obviously Hunchback of Notre Dame, one of my personal favorites, Tarzan. I cannot get over the music from that movie till the end of time. But I want to wish you a congratulations on 25 years since Hercules hit theaters. I hear, though, that you guided the production from France. Can you tell us a little bit about that? (laughs) Yeah, I was not the producer of Hercules. That was Alice Dewey. But I was running at that time the Paris studio. We had a a studio in Paris that had about 170 artists and whatnot. And it was great because when we did Hercules, we would do video conferences. And we're talking, this is 1996. 
where it took like 23 phone lines just to do a video call. Uh, oh my gosh. Just, you know, today you pick up your iPhone and you can talk to anybody, but then it was like a major deal. And then Tarzan was an amazing thing at the Paris studio because Glenn Keane, who was the lead animator at Tarzan, was there in Paris working with my team and it was joyous. So, so cool. As you mentioned there, you were guiding these productions. So talk to us about the transition of becoming a full-on producer, like you are leading a project. Talk to us about how you made those steps towards that. Well, you know, I mean, I think that coming from theater, I was a producer there and walking into Disney, it was really about learning all the elements and the steps. I, I often think of producing like engineering, you're kind of putting together something and before one piece goes into another, you need to make sure that it fits. And story is such an amazing journey. And I think it's the most important element of my job is helping guide story so that you can get it into production. Working with the directors is always a joy because they're such incredibly brilliant storytellers. And you can share your image and pass that on down the pipe. Oh, that's so cool. Okay, so we jump forward in time to Big Hero 6. <laughs> it's 2014 when it hits theaters. But as you said, like there's so many layers, there's so many elements. I know it takes years to create a film like this. Do you remember when the project first came to you? Well, it first came to Don Hall, the director. Don was the brain meister of that project. He, back in, I think it's probably 2011, he came up with the idea of doing a Marvel-based animated film. He wanted to make sure that it was an obscure Marvel because obviously Captain America and all the big Marvel characters are going to be on the big screen. So he looked for a property that really was something that we could make a Disney animated property. And the Marvel universe is interesting because it is in our world, right? It takes place mm -hmm. in New York or it takes place in Los Angeles. And Big Hero 6 initially took place in Tokyo. And mm -hmm. so when we started developing it, we thought, well, what can we do to slightly take it out of the Marvel universe? And that's where uh, San Francisco was born. Working from that, we were able then to kind of find a whole new design for a world that was somewhat ours and somewhat in the future. So cool. And it really does. San Francisco stands out so much. I mean, I'm from the Bay Area. I love San Francisco. And there will be times when I'm there in a city that I know from when I was a kid. And I'm like, San Francisco. Yeah, well, <laughs> so. I, I, I lived in San Francisco. And it's amazing because San Francisco essentially is the ground plane of San Francisco layered with the design aesthetic of Tokyo. San Francisco has a very specific way that the sun reflects off the bay, right? It, mm -hmm. San Francisco is a peninsula that sits between two bodies of yeah. water. And the light in San Francisco is spectacular. And then Tokyo, the, the, the aesthetic in Tokyo, I've been to Japan several times, and I'm always amazed at how beautiful that city is. And, mm -hmm. and essentially taking two of the most beautiful cities in the world and making them one was a gas, was just terrific. Oh, it's so true. You created a place and also characters that are so beloved and people carry them with them. And clearly we're going to be seeing one of our favorites, Baymax, of course, a lot of others as well in this new series, Baymax. I mean, 
Were you excited? How did you hear that Baymax was going to get his own series? I have to give all credit to Don Hall because mm -hmm. Don is such an amazing storyteller and he created this amazingly diverse and inclusive world that is just spectacular. And his idea was let's bring Baymax back to what he was initially programmed for. And that was as a healthcare companion. It's so funny because during the development of the film, we found out that people actually loved Baymax more outside his super suit than in his super suit <laughs> because he's so huggable and he's such an amazing character in the sense that he's, well, the thing about Baymax, he is super logical. And in that he's able to get to the truth in a very, very innocent way. So as we started going through the series and started building kind of a book of stories that we could tell, it became clear that him being able to travel around San Francisco and help people, not only physically, but emotionally, was going to be mm -hmm. a great way to, to really key back into who Baymax was. I love it. It's so true to, yeah, just how you feel seeing the character. You feel so warm and fuzzy, and then he's impacting everybody in that way throughout the series. That's so cool. I have to ask you then, is there a big difference between producing the feature film versus now a series? Like, is there any key differences that you would describe? What's wonderful about doing the series, and I love both, you know, I mean, essentially when we're doing a film, it's a 90 minute film that takes four to five years to, to develop and produce. We did 48 minutes of material. It mm. took us about two years to produce. Wow. And it had multiple directors. So it moved a lot faster, but we were able to take the same care that we do in terms of building a film that we do in building the series. We have a story trust at, at Disney, which is renowned. Basically everything that we do, we work and work and work until we get the story perfect. And we did that with the series, but when you're working with little increments, it moves much faster. Instead of 14 weeks generally between screenings of a major motion picture, we could turn things over in two weeks and look at it again, look at it again. I like to think that each of these little episodes is like a gem, perfectly polished. Oh, I love that. Perfectly polished each episode. <laughs> so then I have to ask you too, you're saying that obviously things evolved. I imagine obviously the approach to Baymax, like the way we saw him in Big Hero 6, like there's clearly been technological advancements, a lot of innovation in designing him. Is there anything that stands out of the design that we'll see him here? Like anything that you guys push the limits on to design him for the series? I think we wanted to stay with the traditional Baymax, but we have found that his fingers do amazing things. At one point, he's able to pull a Band-Aid from his finger. He's able to actually mm -hmm. give a shot with his finger. From a technological standpoint, he is the ultimate healthcare companion. I think that's so cool then, because it's like, to your point, there's a through line. You obviously want to see the character as you remember him and as you know him. But I think that that's really cool. I feel like that's something very unique to animation where you're always pushing the limits. What happened between now and 2014 in terms of technology for animation has been tremendous. And so we did have to go back in and rebuild certain aspects of him because the the programming that we use is slightly different than what we were using back then so we had to bring him up to date but still keep him the baymax that we knew <laughs> so for fans who haven't seen baymax in a while what do you think 
they're going to be most excited to see in the series? Yeah, I think the series has a lot of heart and humor. In a way, it's Disney at its best. It has this enormous sense of care. And at the same time, you laugh. So, you know, I, I think that the hallmark of a Disney film is you get a little tear and you get a laugh out of it as well. Mm, I love that that you can tell that that means so much to you. It sounds like that probably inspired you throughout all of your work because you've inspired us through all of your work as well, Roy. So thank you so much for talking to us about your time with Walt Disney Animation. Happy early 30 years. Thank and you. congrats, congrats on this new series. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure being here and I can't wait for people to see it. It's on Disney Plus now. Check it out. Thanks so much, Roy. All right, take care. Insiders, I'm so excited to talk to our next guest, the voice of Baymax. Scott Adsit, welcome to the show. Hello. How are you? Okay, that was a glorious opening. I'm already geeking out right now. <laughs> okay, so you have to tell us, when and how did you hear Baymax was returning? I was at the director-creator's surprise party in L.A., Don Hall, and he kind of took me aside with our producer, Roy Conley, and said, are you busy in the next few months? And I said, yes and no. And he said, okay, we may have an idea to get our friend back on screen. And he wouldn't tell me anything else. But essentially he was saying, don't get any voice box injuries between now and then. <laughs> uh, and so then I was like waiting to hear what it was. I didn't know if it would be a sequel or if it would be a, another series. And it turned out to be another series. Mm. And this one is called Baymax, which is astounding to me. That's so cool. I mean, it's about time, right? We met him back in 2014, a part of Big Hero 6. Obviously, he's been a part of other series and things like that. But what do you think is new for him in this series that sets it apart? Well, the series is different. It's not new for Baymax because he's always been this, but we don't get to see him do it very often. He is just out there being a nurse. He's patrolling San Francisco and looking for people who are in distress. And as soon as he hears it, he kind of inflates out of his rolling suitcase and starts helping whether they want it or not. And he kind of has to chase some of them down to help them, which is great. And there are people out there who don't realize that they need help or that they want help or are afraid to make a move in their lives to progress. And kind of that's what the theme of this show is, is that with a little help and a little support and a little self-confidence, you can move on to the next moment of your life. Mm, he's the best healthcare companion anybody could ask for. I absolutely <laughs> love that. For you though, when you're revisiting the character over the years, is your approach changing? Are you fine tuning your voice differently? Like I imagine it's like a muscle you have to like get back into each time. Well, I do say to them when I'm recording, you know, let me know if I go off model here, but my challenge more is to keep it consistent and mm. not try to make it different because he was programmed once. He hasn't had an upgrade yet. And he should be what he's always been, which is reliable. And part of that is having that same kind of timber in his voice. So that consistency is part of his appeal and what you kind of rely on with him. So I try not to change it too much. I try to stay fresh, but consistent. Mm. Okay, well, that's within the series. For you personally, in your own day-to-day -day life, do you ever drop the iconic fist bump sound like in your day-to-day -day, or like drop it into a conversation with someone and see if they notice? <laughs> Not without them asking first. <laughs> I, don't, I don't pull out my voices for people, no. 
I have I, I know comedian friends who will go into their characters at any opportunity. And it's a little distracting. So if someone says, will you do the voice? I do the voice. Will you do the voice? <laughs> Hello, Lisa. I am Baymax, your personal healthcare companion. Your podcast has a very long name. Be sure to have breath control when trying to get it all out. I need breath control off of my reaction of that. That was amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much, Scott. Okay, I'm still geeking out about that, but I'd love to hear about your maybe geek out moments, a part of being a Disney fan. Are you willing to take on the Insider Five with us? Yes. Here we go. It's five questions, rapid fire. First okay. one. What is your earliest memory of being a Disney movie fan? The Aristocats. <gasps> my parents took me to that when I was very small and it kind of introduced me to a new kind of music and a new kind of animation with all that kind of psychedelic stuff. So that was my first and it stuck with me for a long time. And Robin Hood, I remember being when I was very young too. And I love that. Robin Hood and Lil John walking through the forest. Those are some good ones. Those are like comfort viewing for me too. I go back to those, especially Disney Plus with Baymax on there. Those are some of the other movies I go back and watch. So I love it. Next question. If you could only ride one ride all day at a Disney park, which would it be? Oh, I dig the Cars ride and maybe the Haunted Mansion. Classic. So I love it. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's That's so the good. one I'd love to, I'd love to like, you know, have it break down and then kind of wander. That's a funny sub-question. Which one do you wish would break down? Okay, <laughs> next question. It's Disney karaoke night. What song do you sing? Under the Sea. Oh, that's a great one. You're invited to a Disney-themed costume party. Who or what do you dress as? Well, it wouldn't be Baymax. It's too difficult. Because <laughs> uh, you have to get a fan inside of you and have an airflow going in there. I would say maybe Captain Hook. Ooh. I like all these, I like all these movies. Okay, cool. Our final question, Scott, to close us out on the Insider Five. Which Disney character has the best life advice and what is it? Baymax. Baymax has the best life advice and that is be kind, be your best self. It couldn't get any better. I love it so much. Thank you so much for the time, Scott, and for bringing this voice to this beautiful character, Baymax. Very inspiring. Thank you so much for the time today. Oh, it's nice to talk to you, Lisa. Thank you. That's our show. Baymax is now streaming on Disney+. Plus, So you don't miss any upcoming podcast episodes. Subscribe and follow Disney Movie Insiders Presents. And while you're there, we'd love it if you gave us a rating and review. Visit DisneyMovieInsiders.com or our app and enter bonus code HEALTH. The code expires August 9th, 2022 at 11.59 p.m. Pacific time. Membership is required. Limit one redemption per account. Visit DisneyMovieInsiders.com for terms and conditions. We'll catch you next time, Insiders, with more Disney movie magic.